everyone and welcome back to the ESN podcast. My name is Jessica and today I have a very special guest with me. I had the utmost pleasure to meet him back in 2018 when I did my Erasmus in Cadiz, Spain. Josh was born and raised in the United States, but he decided to do two exchange experiences in Europe, six months in Italy and six months in Spain. And now, thanks to those experiences and his knowledge of Spanish and Italian, he works as a flight attendant. Hi, Josh. How are you? Hi, I'm good. It's good to hear you again. How about you? I'm doing great. So, whereabouts in the world are you? That's a complicated question. I'm in Tel Aviv, Israel right now. That is so cool. So, are you there because of your flight attendant thing? Yes, I'm here for work. I got here a few hours ago and I leave tomorrow. Oh, that is so cool. So tell us a little about your educational background. What did you study in university? So my primary degrees were microbiology and Spanish. In the U.S., we have what we call a minor. So in Spanish, we would say sub-specialization. So my sub-specialization would be Italian. Okay. Um, the big question for everyone that might be listening is how well known is the Erasmus Plus program in the United States? As far as everyone that I knew in university goes, I don't think anyone knows what Erasmus was. Maybe people who did kind of more genuine study abroad experiences from the U.S. to Europe would know what Erasmus was because they probably interacted with ESN specifically and through ESN found out what the Erasmus program in general was. But I wouldn't say that any American student who didn't study in Europe knows what Erasmus is. Like oh, probably that's... 99% don't know what it is unless they studied in Europe. Hmm, that's that's actually very interesting. And... What about you specifically? What what made you want to do Erasmus? So for me as well, I didn't know what Erasmus was until I was already in Europe. And so I was on a, the equivalent of an Erasmus, but from the US to Europe. I wanted to do Erasmus from meeting, I don't know how to describe it, but I was in what I would call eighth grade, so intermediate school. And we hosted basically a student, but she wasn't still in school, for this program called Up With People. And so Up With People is basically just a traveling show that aims to, I believe it started in the 70s or 80s, but it aims to unite the world. It's an American program. It includes people from all over the world. And they stage a show for, I think it's six weeks in Denver, Colorado. And then they, from there, go around the U.S. and then abroad, performing this show, performing community service, and, of course, seeing the world during this process. So Up With People, while I was in eighth grade, came to Orlando, where I grew up, and we hosted, I don't know what the word is, she's not a student, obviously, but we hosted a performer for a week, and her name was Vanessa. She has also a unique experience. She's Belgian-American, so she grew up in Belgium, but with an American father. Hearing about her experience with Up With People, hearing about her international upbringing, I really had a desire to go abroad myself. And then we hosted another student while I was um, in my third year of secondary school, high school for Americans. 
she was so her name was Georgia from Italy. And so when we hosted her, I fully decided that I wanted to do the same thing and the best opportunity for me to do that would be in college. So how did meeting those people from all over the world influence your choices of how you wanted to live abroad? I think that's a really good question. I don't I guess that brings up something that I didn't really mention. Other than wanting to live abroad and meet people who grew up in different places with different cultures than I did, I also grew up with like a real love for language. So I grew up in a predominantly Spanish-speaking part of Florida. I grew up since preschool learning Spanish. It was after Georgia left that I started learning Italian on my own. My choices for my Erasmus-esque program were greatly inspired by my desire to be immersed in the languages of the countries that I wanted to live in. For my choices in order to go to school in Italy and then go to school in Spain were primarily in order for me to take classes in those languages and meet people that spoke those languages and for me to speak those languages. That was kind of a struggle for me because my school had a lot of programs, especially in Italy, it was more of a problem. But my school had a lot of programs in order for me to take classes in Italy. However, they were in English, predominantly focused towards various degrees. I specifically remember soil science was a big one in it- in Italy for some reason with my school that they had established programs. However, that's very random. So I really had to go off on my own, especially in Italy, to create my own program. I was able to find a school that accepted me as a transient foreign student that was just going to be there for a semester. I could take classes in Italian. I could take Italian classes that my school would accept. And the same kind of went in Spain. Spain was business classes in English for my school, mostly. But I was able to find the University of Cadiz that once again accepted me as a foreign student just for one semester and was able to take the classes that I needed for my degree while also getting the experience that I wanted. What was the most difficult part of the process of actually applying to study abroad as an American? Because I I guess it's not very common. Here in Europe, we have the Erasmus Plus program so normalized and I'd say common, almost a habit. Uh, we were very used to going to university and we have the opportunity to go on Erasmus. That's not a thing in the US. So how did you actually go through the whole process of, I want to study abroad, what now? I think for me, I was really lucky because I think the hardest part of the application process was finding what school I wanted to apply to. Like I said, finding the program that fit what I wanted. I say I was lucky because my school very much emphasized international experiences because my school loved having international students come to our university in Florida. So in order to do that, to create space, both on our campus and in classes, we needed to get our American students out. Basically, once I went through the process of sorting through schools in Spain and Europe, once I applied uh, to those schools, it was very easy with my school just to say, hey, I've been accepted. This is 
their program, these are the classes that they offer, how can we make this work for my degree? So the application process itself was easy. It was just more hard to find what I wanted to apply to. I don't think that a lot of American students share that experience. I think that a lot of students find that there's programs that their universities sponsor to bring a group of students from that university, or maybe even just a group of American students in general, to some foreign country, but bring that group of American students with a group of American professors, or maybe just one American professor, and take American classes just in some foreign location. And I don't think that that's necessarily such an authentic experience as taking classes at the other university with, you know, students from that university and other international students like yourself. So uh, your first country was Italy. Yes and no. Uh, Let me complicate the story a little bit more. Tell me Uh, more. So I talked about these American programs where American students go to a foreign country with American professors. Mm -hmm. I myself did one of those programs in Spain. So Spain was my first half country, I guess you could call. I didn't Um, know that. So I did a... Yeah. So I did a six-week program in Valencia, Spain. where I had an American professor with me. It was a group of 25 American students, all from my exact same university. We all studied with this same American professor. Well, I say American, but she was, you know, she was Korean Argentinian, but she was a professor at my American university. So she and herself was very international. But so I had her as my professor in Valencia It was kind of one of those experiences that I was describing that it was an American experience in a foreign setting. So that was my first experience abroad was in Valencia. And luckily it was a bit of an immersive experience because although we were taking American classes with other American students, we did all live with host families. So that was part of the experience that I was looking for was to have a personal connection to somebody in the place that I was studying. I was able to speak Spanish with them, obviously. It was just the family setting. I didn't get to really make friends with anybody from Valencia other than my host family. So that really drove my search for programs in Italy and then also in Spain once again. How much time after that did you go to Italy? So I was in Valencia for six weeks during the summer of 2016. I went to Milan in the fall of 2017. And then I was in Cadiz the spring of 2018. What did you think of Italy? Like, what was the biggest culture shock for you as an American? The biggest culture shock for me was that it wasn't as different as everybody in America likes to think that it is. I expected it to be much more different, you know. I mean, sure, there's a lot of differences, you know. Italians give each other the kisses on the cheek, or in Spain, they take the siesta and a lot of shops and restaurants close. So sure, there's a lot of differences, but I think what shocked me the most was how similar we were, which isn't all that surprising. We're two Western countries who share a lot of similarities, but I was shocked how not shocked I was. And especially for me in Milan, I think that Milan is a very modern city as far as a lot of Italian cities go, just in architecture and the diversity of people. You know, there's 
several universities in Milan that all have a lot of international students. I think I was shocked at how not Italian in the stereotype that I had created in my head was. That was my biggest culture shock. I want to throw in one more culture shock. (laughs) Oh, go ahead. The absolute disregard for parking rules just to get coffee. This is not a stereotype. (laughs) I saw cars double parking outside of coffee shops in the middle of the city constantly. (laughs) That was a shock. That's that's amazing. And what about Spain? (laughs) In Spain, I think a big culture shock was just like the the nightlife scene. I don't think a lot of people realize this in America. I don't know about in the rest of Europe, but In Spain, it's very normal to go out at like 1 or 2 a.m. and not come home until 8 a.m. That was just very not normal to me. You know, most places, at least around my university, I can't speak for the rest of the U.S., of course, but would close at 2 a.m. And in Spain, it's normal to get there at 2 a.m. So that was a big shock. It was a shock to my sleep schedule. It was a shock to my brain. A really big shock for me, once again, in Cadiz as well as in Valencia, I was living with a host family, which sadly is an experience I didn't get to have in Milan. However, a big shock for me that I didn't really notice while I was in Valencia, both because of the amount of time that I did spend in Cadiz and didn't spend in Valencia, as well as the fact that it was summer while I was in Valencia versus, you know, spring slash during the year while I was in Cadiz was the fact that the family scene really did center around that siesta, which, of course, doesn't follow the stereotype of everybody takes a nap. That's not what it was. Both my host mom, who was a school teacher, my host dad, who works in the media, my host brother, who was also in university at the time, we, and then myself, of course, we all came home for lunch. Most days. I mean, there was a couple days that I might have had class, or somebody had to work or whatever, so maybe one person wasn't present. But the norm was that everybody came home for lunch and had lunch together. We talked about what was going on. And I think that was a really good shock, Mm -hmm. I would say, because I think shock has a negative connotation that I don't mean. But it was Mm -hmm. a shock for me because we don't do that in the U.S., which I think is something that I would really love if we did, personally. What would you say were your biggest challenges for you as an American Um, in Europe? The first challenge that comes to mind was that my primary goal, well, one of my primary goals was to learn these languages, be immersed in these languages. Being a native English speaker myself, everybody around, whether it was my friends, my classmates, my host family, wants to learn English, wants to practice English, and sees me as I would see them also, as somebody they can practice English with, just as I wanted to practice Spanish or Italian with them. So it was a big challenge for me to have that moment of being able to practice the language that I was there to practice. But also, I was making these friends, and of course, I didn't care that we were speaking English. I wanted to make friends with them, regardless of what language we were speaking. 
but it was a big challenge just to use the language that I was there to use on a daily basis. Or not daily, of course, I use it daily, you know, around, but more on a constant basis, I guess. That was a big challenge for sure. And just another challenge that I don't think necessarily comes from me being an American in Europe, but just from being any international student or any university student was just making friends from being in class. That's like kind of a hard topic or finding a social event to go make friends, whether even if it was outside of class, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, do you feel that studying abroad for a year changed your perspective on what you wanted to do? Absolutely. Uh, before studying abroad, I wanted to go to medical school and become a doctor. And by the time I was going to Milan, uh, so it was after my first experience in Valencia, I was questioning it a little bit, but I still thought it was what I wanted to do. But by the time I went to Milan and then went to Cadiz as well, I realized that that wasn't at all what I wanted to do. Being in Europe and being on my Erasmus didn't tell me what I wanted to do, but it told me what I didn't want to do, which I think is just as important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are your best memories of your time abroad? First memory that comes to mind is I was on the street with you, Jess. Oh my gosh. And we were with Nastia and Antoine. And I cannot remember the context for the life of me, but Nastia was teaching us this like street dance. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, I do. <laughs> And we were just dancing down the street and it was, I don't know what time it was at night, but it was at night and we were just dancing down the street, having the time of our lives, didn't care what time it was, didn't care who was watching us. And we just, we're having a good time. Wasn't it like a Polish dance? I think you're right. I think it was a Polish dance. I think it was like a Polish dance. And she taught us the words too. Yeah. Oh my God. I don't know why that is, but... Honestly, it was just one of like those those moments that you might not necessarily realize in the moment that it was going to be such a a heartfelt, memorable time that when you look back on it, it ends up being exactly that. That's so nice. Um, do you have any advice for anyone that is thinking about going abroad, whether they're American or not? I would say that even if you're within the actual Erasmus program and it the logistics become a little bit simpler. I'm sure there's a lot of challenges, especially personally, but I'm sure there's a lot of challenges in general. I would say that it's it's definitely worth it to try and overcome those challenges and just kind of make that jump. You might not see it, especially within like the first part of your Erasmus. You might not even realize what an impact that it's had during the Erasmus by the end. But I think that any Erasmus student would tell you that looking back on it, they definitely feel like it had a positive impact. It was absolutely worth all of the hardships of the application or trying to make friends or whatever the case may be. I think that almost anyone would tell you it was worth it. So yeah, my advice is just to do it. That's a really nice thing to say. Um, Would you do it all over again? Uh, duh. So Josh, do you have any last words? Honestly, I just want to say thanks for listening because this honestly seemed like such a great experience in my life. And I hope that by listening to my time and my comments that maybe it can help someone else to have this wonderful, um, both fun and like 
experience for growth as well. So thank you for listening. I hope it was helpful for you. Well, thank you so much for talking to me again, Josh. It is always my pleasure. And that is it for today. Thank you so much for listening to the ESM podcast and I'll see you around. <laughs>